Carter just got finished saying at the bottom of Doc um, 48a, right? Memchatz Amid Aleph. The Gemara was just discussing the idea that the, even a halacha, even the taking of something that is necessary for kapara, that is necessary for the actual atonement process can be taken in your left hand. And the Gemara proved this from the fact that the kaf, the ladle of the katiris for Yom Kippur, the Kayangadal would take that ladle with the katiris in it, the incense in it on in his left hand. And that was absolutely essential for the atonement. So what we see is that the walking, that the conveying of the something which is essential for kapara, for atonement, can actually happen in your left hand. So the Gemara asks a question, basically. Gemara challenges this. Zar ve'oinein, shikar mbalmum. You have a zar. A zar is a non-coin. An onein is someone who had a relative who died that day. A shikar is someone who is drunk. Mbalmum is someone who is not able to serve as a kayin because he has a blemish, which renders him invalid as a kayin. The Kabbalah, when it comes to the accepting of the blood, when the blood is coming out of the animal that's just been shechted, and in the conveying of that blood to the Mizbeach, and in the sprinkling of that blood on the Mizbeach, also, he is invalid. It is an invalid procedure done by any of these four people. And included in this is the Kabbalah, the accepting of the blood, but also the Halacha, also the conveying of the blood. And so too, someone is sitting. And so too, someone who uses his left hand at the time of the service, puzzle. All of these are going to be puzzle. This seemingly disproves that you can actually carry the blood from the time of the shechita, take the blood that has come from the, the cow that was just shechted, and actually convey it in your left hand. It seems to be disproven from here. Tiyofta, indeed, it disproves it. The Gemara says, one second, uh, before you go so quickly with this disproof, actually, Ripshatius himself has acknowledged this brisa. Ripshatius himself, who was the author who said that, of course, you can use your left hand to convey the blood, he also acknowledged this brisa himself. So we're going to have to figure out some sort of way to make it work out. Because Roshesh's couldn't have also said this b'risa and also come up with his conclusive halacha that you could use your left hand for the conveyance. Right? Roshesh himself was really asking this question. Roshesh said this over to the Amore. The Amore is the Amora, right? And the person who interprets the wisdom of Rav Chizda. And he said to him, they ask, ask Rav what happens if the carrying of the blood is done by a non-Kohen? So he said to him, it is kosher. And a verse supports this idea that it can be done by a non-Kohen. It says in the slaughter of the carbon Pesach. And then the Gehanim sprinkle from their hand. And then the Levium actually skin these animals. So what we see is, is that the Gehanim sprinkle it, but that means that the person who did the shechting is the person who brought it to the Gehanim, brought the blood of the animal to the Kohen. Well, who did the shechting? A Yisrael. So we see is that a Yisrael could actually be involved in bringing the blood, and that will not invalidate the process. Rav Sheshis then responds. Umoysev Rav Sheshis. Rav Sheshis then asks the question from this Raisa, Raisa, which is Tanaic ruling, and it's going to disprove the, Amor, the Amora, who came from a later generation, he cannot have his statement that will not stand up against the Raisa. What's the statement? Zar, a non-Kohen. The Oine, someone who is a Kohen, but is in the day of having a relative of his die, which he's not allowed to do any service. Shikr, someone who's drunk. Ubalmum, someone who has a blemish that invalidates from service. When it comes to the accepting of the blood, when it comes to the bringing of the blood, and when it comes to the sprinkling of the blood, they are apostle, they are invalid. So to someone who is seeding, 
someone uses their left hand, puzzle, all these cases, they are puzzled. It's not going to be valid. You see that Rishishis himself actually believes that using your left hand for the bringing of the blood is invalid. So how could it be that Rishishis earlier said this as a halacha without acknowledging that the Brisa disproves it? And then later on, he himself acknowledges the Brisa disproves it. What's going on over here? The Gemara says, When they asked him from this Brisa, then Rishishis said, oh, I hear. If that's what the Brisa says, clearly I'm wrong. He then heard that Rav Chizda was still saying what he originally had thought. And he says to Rav Chizda, uh, sir, you're making a mistake because the price is not like it. Rav Chizda, one second, Rav Chizda brought a verse in supporting his concept. What, did it, what was his verse? His verse was, it says that at the time of the Shechita of the Karim Pesach, the Karim Pesach is shechted, they shechted, in other words, even Israelites, and then by Yizku Kahanim, and then it's given to the Kohanim, and the Kohanim do the sprinkling, but even the taking of the blood towards the Kayin can be done by an Israelite. So we see that the taking of the blood can be done by an Israelite, then it can also have been done in your left hand, because by definition, if it can be done by an Israelite, it is not part of the service. The oven might say it's Now, you have to say like this, the non-Kohanim, the non-Kohanim, they did not, the Zar that we're talking about, it did the Shechita, they did not actually bring the bowls of blood over to the Kohanim to do the sprinkling. They just, they had the blood and they held it in their hands. They played a, a very passive role, not a not an active role, and therefore it was okay. But Papa, Papa asks a new question, right? We we're still dealing with, a, this is the third blot already when Papa is asking many questions related to either the Chafina, either to the taking of the Ketairas with your fingers, or to the Kmitza, taking of the, the Mincha offering, the flower offering with your fingers. Chafin Chaveirei, let's say someone else takes the, the Chafina. You have a Kayin Gadol on Yom Kippur. He starts the process on Yom Kippur itself. And he does, he takes the the the, the, the Keteris, the incense with his hand. And then he puts it into another Kayin's hands. Mahu, what's the halacha? All, is all that we require that the Kayin Gadol in the end has a full handful of Keteris and indeed that is satisfied. And that's what we have up here. Or do we say that the Kayin Gadol, it's not enough that he ends up with a full measure, full handfuls of, um, of Keteris. He also has to be involved in the creation of the full handfuls by taking it from the larger pile and bringing it. And over here, there is Teku. Once again, Papa says Teku. Right? So this is already, I, don't, I can't keep track anymore, but this is a, many, many questions that Papa has asked, and almost all of them, his answer has been Teku. We'll have to wait to hear the answer. Very good, Levi. Fascinating question. does the service on Yom Kippur, and he goes and he takes the handful. He then kills over dead, right? And everybody hears this loud noise, and they come running in, and they see that he is dead. Now, he's already taken the handful. The question is, can the next Kayin Gadol take the handful from the first Kayin Gadol and use that for the service, or does he have to go take in a... a Take a new pile of, of um, incense from the ladle. says, Come and hear the question of the earlier ones. The implication at this point is that Rukhanina was telling his students, Rabbi Yeshua asked the same question as you in previous generations, which the Gemara is going to say, not so simple. The Gemara is going to ask, Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi was actually younger than Rabbi Hanina. So this is something's off about this measurement. But at least in the initial understanding, what we think is that Rabbi Hanina was complimenting the students for asking a similar question that Rabbi Yeshua and Levi came from a previous generation and asked as well. 
Remember the Bishuvah Levi Kashish? Does that to say Bishuvah Levi is older than Rechanina? The Amr of Bishuvah Levi, Bishuvah Levi says, Li hitter Ali Chanina lishtes Shechlayim Bashabas. Rabbi Chanina permitted me to drink Shechlayim on Shabbos. Shechlayim is some sort of a medicinal um, beverage that they would make on Shabbos. And where it says lishtes to drink it, Shita, that's obvious. In other words, the concern would be like this. The concern would be as we have a rabbinic commandment that we learned in Masep the Shabbos, right? That we are not supposed to do actions that are related to refuah on Shabbos, that are related to healing on Shabbos. The concern is that if you engage in those actions, you might then come to grind. The typical way of medicine in those days was that they would grind herbs and, and other things of the, that nature. And that's not permitted on Shabbos. So Chazal, our sage, just said that you're not allowed to take medicine on Shabbos and certain categories that are permitted, certain categories that are not permitted. Obviously, when it comes to someone's life is at risk, of course, anything is permitted. But we're talking about in lower standards, are you allowed to take medication? And there is a concern that you might come to grind. So the Gemara says, listen, that's all true when it comes to taking a medication that is taken in a way that it's an actual medication. But over here, you're taking a drink that people drink. Sometimes they drink it because they're not feeling well. Sometimes they drink it for the fun of it. But anytime you're engaged in an action of eating or drinking, that is a typical behavior of eating and drinking, then there is no concern. The Rabinigan ordinance does not go into play. The Tanan, that would be obvious you'd be allowed to drink it because we learned from the Mishnah. Any type of food item you are allowed to eat even for the sake of a remedy. Any type of drink you're allowed to drink for the sake of a remedy. The Gemara says, oh, okay, fine. Let's, let's clarify that. Rabbi was not saying that Rabbi Hanina permitted him to drink it on Shabbos. You don't need a great rabbi to tell you you're permitted to drink that. Somebody tells me, listen, I have uh, you know, um, digestive issues and I want to eat prunes on Shabbos, but I'm concerned that it might be rafua. Well, it's not rafua because eating prunes is not by definition medicinal. Eating prunes, sometimes you eat it for medicinal purposes, sometimes you eat it because it tastes good. So anything that is a food product or a drinking product, you're allowed to do it without any questions asked. So Rabbi Shubham Levi did not need Rabbi Hanina to teach that he's allowed to do this. So rather what Rabbi Hanina had taught him is like this, you're allowed to actually grind this shaklaim on Shabbos, which indeed would be forbidden if not for the fact that it was necessary. Gemara now says, what are the particulars? Hey, dummy, what's the case? If Rabbi Shubham Levi's life was at risk, Mishra Shari obviously is permitted to grind things on Shabbos even if your life is at risk. We know that's halacha. We're going to learn later in Yuma in about um, uh, four weeks or so. We're going to learn the famous Gemara that talks about how we know that you're permitted to violate Shabbos to save a life. Be the legasakanta, and if there is no risk to someone's life, Mesra Asr, indeed, it should be forbidden to do this. It must be that indeed there is a risk to life over here. Right, but Rishuvah Levi did not know if this is actually something that will save his life. Mimasya, is this going to help or not? Will this cure him from his illness or not? The Shabbat, if it will help cure, then Avada certainly he needs to violate Shabbos by grinding. or will it not heal him? In which case, he should not violate Shabbos. Why did he ask Rabbi Hanina? The Gemara now parenthetically interjects. Why did he ask Rabbi Hanina this question of Are you permitted to do this on Shabbos? Well, Rabbi Hanina had a special quality. What was the special quality? He was an expert when it came to medical questions. We did this also earlier in Shas. Rabbi Hanina said, no one has ever asked me about the, the wound of a white donkey and then lived. But the fact that Rabbi Hanina was the person they were asking indicates that he was a medical expert. The Gemara now says, one second, that's not true. We've seen people who've gotten kicked by white donkeys and they survived. Don't read that they survived, but rather that they completely recovered to their original status. That never happens. They might have a limp for the rest of their lives. They might survive, but they're not going to be the same as they would have been beforehand. 
It's not true. We actually see them that they become completely healed and they become completely cured. So why are you saying it's not? Why are you saying that they never heal fully? And why it says We're talking about a case like this. Not a white donkey, a red donkey, and the ends of the feet of that donkey are white. That is the type of donkey that when they kick you, you will never become fully healed again. Mikolmakim. All that being said, take that aside. What we see from here is Shemami Nader Bechanina Kashis, right? So we, we start off by saying that Rishub and Levi asked Bechanina a specific halacha about eating a, eating a medicine on Shabbos and meant really grinding. And then we said, why are we talking about Bechanina? Bechanina is a bucky. Then we went through that question of donkeys. And now we're going back to the original point. The fact that Rishub and Levi asked Bechanina what the halacha is and is he allowed to grind it, clearly Bechanina was older than him. So why is Bechanina praising his students by saying, oh, you asked a question that the elder generation asked? That's what you have to say. He says like this, the question that you are asking is a question that is asked by people who are worthy of earlier generations, i.e. Rabbi Shubham Levi. But now that Rabbi Shubham Levi is actually older than Rabbi Hanina. Does Rabbi Hanina himself actually say that, in other words, Rabbi Hanina himself had no doubt about this question. As we will see, Rabbi Hanina himself knew the answer to this question as to whether or not the Kain Gadol can go into the Kain and the Holy of Holies, using the Chafinav, that had been prepared by a different kind of God, Rabbi Hanina himself knew the answer. The Amr Rabbi Hanina, Rabbi Hanina said, It says that you shall go in with the animal, with the cow, and not with its blood of the animal. What does this mean to say? It means to teach us that one kayin has to do both the shechita, the shechting of the animal, and also the bringing of its blood into the Kedosh and the Holy of Holies. Rabbi Hanina, Rabbi Hanina also taught, if he takes the, the hands full of incense before the shechting of the power of the cow, he hasn't done anything at all. In other words, first you shecht the cow, and then afterwards you then take the katharis, right? So now, what's the case over here? If the, if the case is that first, the first kind of has to do the shechita, the one who comes after him has to be the one to shecht another cow. So what's going on over here? He cannot take the hands full of Kateris that was used by the first Kayangadal because it was the that took place before the shakting of the second cow. So it's never going to be relevant to talk about a case where you're going to be concerned that perhaps he's going to be taking the Khafina, the hands full that have been prepared by the first Kayangadal. It will never happen. This is what he has to be saying. Rabbi Hanina himself would never have had a question. When the fact that Rabbi and Levi had a possibility like this, Rabbi and Levi must hold that when it says that you need to take the, the cow's blood, it means even the blood of the cow and the second Kayangadal, even if he did not do the Shkita, it is still valid for him to take the blood from the first Kayangadal. In which case, you could have a question, what about the Kateris? What about the incense? According to your reasoning, according to your halachic conclusion, that you are allowed to take the blood from a second, a second kain to take the blood from the first kain gadol. Well, then indeed your question is a very good question. My Allah, what's the answer to this question? If the first kain gadol has hands full of incense and then he dies, can another kain gadol take his handful and go in? If we believe that the process is that you take the Kateris in your hands, then you go into the Holy of Holies once you suck it into the ladle 
and you have your ladle and you have your fire pan. You go into the Holy of Holies. You then put them down on the ground. Then you again take the chafina, again take a handful from the ladle and put that onto the fire. If we say that that's what you do, then it would make sense that another kain gadol can take the original kain gadol's chafina and that would work. The hamakayma chafina, because the chafina in the, in the second case is still the same chafina that was taken previously. However, if we say that when you take the handful once, then you want to take it again, then then you can have a good question. The opposite makes sense. If you say that the first time, in general, you first take the handful, you stick it in the ladle, then when you get into the Kedash you take another handful from that original ladle full, and then you stick it onto the coals, then it would be obvious that this has to be one long maisa, one long action, and it all has to be done by one kain gadol. And first kain gadol to the first chafina, you need to start all over again if he dies. It's not possible to say that the second person, his chafina is going to be exactly the same size as the first chafina. Because if the first kain gadol did it, his hand was either large or smaller. Nobody has exactly the same hand as everybody else, as anybody else. So therefore, they would definitely have to take another um, chafina originally. The However, if you hold that you do not do chafina and then have to do another chafina later, just the first chafina is the only chafina that has to be done. Then you can ask a question. The now says, we have asked a question, and when this really came up already two blad ago, right? On do you take a handful initially and then take another handful again or not? Or do you say you take the first handful, but the second handful is not actually a handful din. It's just you have to make it from the ladle go to the kataris, up to the um, the fire pan of coals. Tashmak, come on here, proof. This was the measure. My is it not coming to teach you that the same measure of chafina that happens outside of the Beis HaMikdash, so too, outside of the Holy of Holies, the Kedusha Kedashim, so too it happens on the inside of the Kedusha Kedashim. Mar says, loy, not true. Dilma, she'imrat salases mida'isa. Perhaps what it's teaching you is that if you wanted to make a vessel for the sake of, of taking the, the, um, the chafina, indeed it would be permitted. Maybe it's teaching you that you can't take more or less than the chafina. So you can't have a clear-cut proof one way or the other from there as to answer the question of do you do two chafinas or only one? Tashmak, come in here another proof. Turning the page now to 49b. How do you do the second chafina in the Kedesh HaGadashim? You take the basach, you take the, the ladle that has the chafina in it, the, the handful of incense. You take it and you lift it up with your fingertips. Some people say you lift it up with your teeth. And you lift it up until it reaches in between your elbows and you hold it like stuck on your elbows, okay? The, the ladle. And then you take it and then you take from your hands, you take the ladle and put it back into your hands. Then you heap up the incense. So that the smoke comes slowly. It takes a while for the smoke to come up. Some people say you spread it in a thin layer, a wider thin layer. So that the smoke will come up quickly. This is the most difficult the most difficult service in the base of Mekdash. The Gemara asks obvious questions. We just had this similar, similar thing two days ago. Is this the hardest one and nothing else? There's also the cutting, the shafting of the bird, which the Kangadol, which the Kayan does with the with a big nail on his finger. And is the taking of a fistful of the incense of the um of the mincha service with the oh, the flower offering. That's also difficult. Rather say this is one of the harder ones from the overall categories of hard services in Besamekash.
We see from this entire statement, though, that the process is first you do a chafina outside the Kaddish Hagadashim, right? When you first take it off, you, you take the handful of incense and put it into the ladle. And then once you're in the Kaddish Hagadashim, you do a chafina again. You do the take another handful again. Shmamina and DVC. The Bible of the Gemara asks a new question. Shachat Vemais, let's say the Kangado does Shita, right? He shafts the animal, Vemais, and then he dies. Can someone else quickly come in and grab the blood? Do we say that it, when the Torah says you have to take a bull, it means even with the blood of the bull? Or do we say, or perhaps we say is with a bull, but not with the blood of the bull? Kanina says it has to be with the bull and not with the blood of the bull. Shlagish argues, he says, even if the second Kayan never did the Shrita and only did the blood, that's also enough, right? Machlekes says you have to do the Shrita and Kabbalah, right, and accepting of the blood, or can he take over just from a later point, and that's still enough. Ami says it has to be the actual blood, and not just the blood of the, uh, I'm sorry, the actual bull, not just the blood of the bull. It has to start from the process of the Shrita. So we have four Amarayim. Two Amarayim say you have to be involved in the beginning of the process. Two Amarayim say you could even be after the Shrita, and it's still okay. So now we have two, two Amorayim on each side of this question. Yes, a question, interesting question. And from, from Sechtus Pesachim. The halacha is that when it comes to the carbon Pesach, the Pesach offering, the halacha is that it needs to be done as a Chabura, right? Which, as a group of people, which means that anybody who wants to be part of this group of people who are going to be eating from this specific lamb, they have to have been appointed. They have to have been part of a group of people who have declared we're all part of one group to shech this lamb and eat from this lamb. The, the, the process of being appointed can only happen up until the time of the animal getting shechted, getting slaughtered. The process of withdrawing from being counted, right, saying, I don't want to be part of this animal, right, I want to be part of a different animal, right, that other animal looks better, or that my friends are eating that animal, right, whatever your calculations might be. That only can happen until the time of the shkita. What we see from over here is that the end process and of the appointment time right, is only up until the shechita. It is not up until the zrika. It's not up until the sprinkling. So what we see from here is that the sprinkling is not the most important thing. The shechita is very, very important when it comes to the carbon Pesach. And therefore, for our question over here too, then it should also happen that you can, we should then determine that the shechting, the shechita also has to happen with the kaingadol. And if, if indeed it would be so that the shechita is also a, a critical component in and of itself, it should have said until the shechita happens, right? Until the time of the shechita happens. I'm sorry, until the time of the zrika, until the time of the sprinkling, it would be possible to be appointed. Shani Hasim is different over there. It says, the Pasik says, right? Not clear what the Pasik would mean. Misa means from the, the goat, right? But Mihiyos is not so clear. What the Gemara Darshan says, that the entire time that you can do this is only up until the time that the lamb is no longer alive. So up until the Shrita, you're good to get appointed, good to disappoint yourself or unappoint yourself, whatever you want to call it. But after the Shrita, no longer possible. Most of Marzutra asks a different question. Right? Allah is like this. When it comes to when it comes to the redemption of a of an animal, right? The halacha is that you cannot be paid, that you cannot redeem an animal, not with a calf, 
not with a chaya, not with a wild animal, not with an animal that's already shechted, not with a trefa, not with an animal that wasn't shechted, not with an animal that's a, a, a grafted animal, a mixture. Now with a kviya, kviya is a very fascinating concept of an animal that they weren't sure if it's a chaya or a behemoth, if it's a wild animal or a domesticated animal. Elibus said the only way to redeem it is with another set. Now, the implication is that only a set can redeem it, right? And if only a set can redeem it, and not even a dead one, well, that implies that a dead one is in a different category. Shani Hassam, different over there. The Yalav says, Sami Pesach. We learn out the, the comparison of Seh that it says over here, a goat over here, and a goat that it says by a carbon Pesach. Now, both of them have to be similar. Just like by Karma Pesach, it has to be male, it has to be without any blemishes, and it has to be less than one year old. So over here has to be a male, a no blemishes, and less than a year old. Therefore, the Pasik says, Tifta, Tifta, Reba. It's coming to tell you when it says tifta, tifta, redeem, you shall redeem twice. It's coming to tell you to include something else. Right? What we're talking about over here is redeeming a firstborn um, lamb, firstborn sheep. Right? E tifta, tifta, riba. If indeed the fact that it says you should redeem, you should redeem, it's coming to teach something else. I feel nami. Then it should even come to include all of these different statuses, even a dead animal, even a, a wild animal, even an animal or uncertain what type of animal it is. All of them should be included and should be valid as a redemption possibility. Well, then the fact that it says set a lamb, what does that help for? So we have to say that when it says lamb, it means to limit to some extent. But when it says it says the um, it says reba when it's coming to include, that's also coming to to um, to include not just a case of, um, of of when it's still alive, right? But even these other cases as well. And that's why the the other case is going to teach us. Um, that the carbon Pesach, the summer carbon Pesach laws are also applicable over here. Okay, fine. We'll stop over here at the top of 50, right?